Hey everyone, my name is Oliver Turner. I'm the Executive Vice President of Corporate Development for Corora Resources. Corora Resources is a Western Australian focused growing gold producer, taking gold production from about 100,000 ounces two years ago up to 200,000 ounces. Good to see you, Oliver. I uh, hope you're well. Um, and thanks for joining us. Um, you, you put the news out. Obviously, you've had over uh, 40,000 ounces for the quarter. Great news. Um, you better tell us the numbers because I want to kind of get into what it means and, and, and what it holds for the future. So maybe it gives a rundown of uh, last quarter. Yeah, absolutely. So on a production basis, uh, it's just over uh, 40,800 uh, ounces, which is a new record, uh, which we've been notching consistently. Obviously, we're growing uh, gold company right now. So one, one hopes their records uh, quarter after quarter. So that was a great production quarter. On the sales side of things, over 42,000 ounces sold. Uh, we had a, a few ounces to make up for at the end of last quarter. So you managed to clear those through the books, which is great. Uh, so continuing on that trajectory uh, towards our guidance uh, this year, which is 145 to 160,000 ounces, we produced just over 80,600 ounces year to date. So obviously positioning us quite well. Uh, especially considering the fact that we're expecting the second half of the year to be strong. So looking good on ounces there. Uh, we'll be reporting our financial results in mid-August as per usual, and everything's in line with guidance as well. So uh, so looking good. It, well, it is looking good, but I, I guess here's the, here's a question for you, right? You, you keep executing and delivering what you say you're going to do. You're not necessarily getting all of the credit for that, right? So I, I get the market's kind of quiet across the board, but you're a gold producer continuing to produce, you know, good margins, um, which must be good for your balance sheet and your expiration budget, et cetera, et cetera. What's it going to take? What should people be looking at? Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing about this in terms of share price performance, in terms of this company, uh, it moves quickly on the way up and it moves quickly on the way down. Uh, there's certainly lots of, uh, beta leverage in this name, and I would actually argue certainly alpha on the name too. Uh, but what it will take is continuing to notch those quarters. We're not through the growth plan yet, right? So we're looking uh, good for our guidance this year. Uh, we still have to deliver into that ramp up next year. The good news is most of the development work uh, in terms of the fund raises and the development uh, decline, obviously, is finished by the end of this year. And next year will be about bringing some additional stokes online equipment and ramping up to that 2 million ton per annum rate at Spada Hunt. So uh, executing on that this year and next year is important. There's also the uh, the massive uh, potential that we have in terms of the nickel. Uh, the market that we're in today is deliver it, report it, and I'll, and I'll believe it when I see it kind of environment. So once we start to notch some of those expanding nickel quarters as well, we, have, we only have modest production for this year of about 500, uh, 500 nickel tons. Uh, that will start to deliver as you start to see those margins expanded, which in this high-cost environment is certainly important as well. And then if we get back into a market where you're starting to be rewarded, obviously, via uh, the drill bit and announcing those results, you know, the, the results that we announced there at Fletcher should certainly be moving uh, share prices. Uh, they aren't for anybody these days, but we'd love to get back into that kind of market as well. So executing, adding cash to the balance sheet, we added, as we reported uh, just yesterday morning, about $5 million net of all of our capital spend, net of the stamp duty for the Lakewood acquisition last quarter. So it's a very unique situation where you have a growing gold producer that's deploying capital into a growth plan, that's deploying significant capital into an exploration and resource upgrade program at the same time as adding cash to the balance sheet, not dropping cash into the program uh, so it kind of checks all boxes, and we've seen some strong movement lately, obviously, 
uh, in the share price, which has been quite nice. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good place to accumulate right here. Right, but but why? Okay, I hear what you say. Okay, you, you net five million bucks up from last quarter. You've doubled the stamp, four and a half million bucks. Um, the exploration budget um, is is um, has been you know, allocated to you know a meaningful exploration um, program. But isn't there a game to be had for the market where perhaps you don't spend so much? You do be you are seen to be accumulating a large cash pile which you can deploy in something more exciting like M and A. Why, why this? Why is this conservative considered approach better than perhaps? I don't know, playing, playing the usual market game that others do. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, decisions are made on a quarter-by-quarter basis, right? So there's the market swings, uh, short-term market movements, uh, but mines are long-lived assets that you need to be very careful about, not only your, your technical deployment and technical plans, but also your capital allocation. These are decisions we make based on multi-year projections. They're not things that we make for the next quarter, the next six months, where the market is trading right now, where interest rates are, are right now. We think about the long-term viability of these operations. Uh, to take you know a quick step back, remember at the beginning of all of this, Beta Hunt had 400,000 ounces in resource, well over two million ounces now. So it is a a uh, you know slow and steady uh, growth uh, you know execution strategy that we are delivering on that is enhancing uh, long-term fundamental value that ensures that this asset is going to be a free cash flow generator for a very long period of time. Now, to answer the second part of your question in terms of why not spend a little bit less, well, of course, that comes at the cost of growth. So you know, in this environment, we put out a plan to grow Beta Hunt, to grow the company to just under 200,000 ounces by the end of 2024. We laid out that plan a couple of years ago, and we're executing on it as we laid out. Uh, what do we do after that? There's a couple other things we can do with Beta Hunt. We talked about the nickel, just bringing that online. Is there some great optimization we can do? Beta Hunt is a massive system. And one thing, if you actually want to take this lens to M&A, that every single intermediate and senior producer, we're not quite you know, in the eyes of senior producers yet, but certainly in the eyes of intermediate producers is looking for are single assets with over 10 years of mine life, 200,000 plus ounces a year, significant exploration upside, low risk jurisdiction, ability to permit. That's exactly what we're building at Beta Hunt. Those are exactly the kind of assets that people want. So those are important when you're starting to think about long-term attract the attractiveness to uh, you know other uh, uh, let's say acquirers. And uh, let's not kid ourselves here. We're starting to see consolidation at the top end of the spectrum when it comes to the senior producers. That's going to step down into the intermediate producers. So it's all about building a longer-term vision uh, that provides uh, you know all aspects of the game. Right, and I guess the other aspect of that is, um, so in terms of capital alloc allocation, it's not just about making yourself attractive, it's about making yourself defensible, or at least in the position to negotiate a, a better price. A lot of distressed assets out there, um, distressed companies out there with, with good assets, but nevertheless, cash stress because um, margins are shrinking. You know, inflation still wages uh, a, a war out there. Um, you know, whilst gold price is good, margins have not necessarily followed through on that one. And um, so, let's talk about capital allocation for you then. If if we're going to be cons conservative and considered and you know accretive and in, in, in planning, where are you allocating your money in terms of the expiration budget? You've got a lot of moving parts when it comes to expiration. You've got some great results across you know, across the m multiple assets. But what's going to be important to you in this environment in terms of that kind of defensible? Um, and value creation position. 
Yeah, and that's a great question as well. And you hit a couple of things uh, bang on. Um, you know, it, it, let's just talk about margin first, and then we'll, we'll get into that capital allocation thing because I think one plays into the other. Uh, we've seen you know a wonderful ramp up in gold price, and it's been wonderful, especially in this increasing interest rate environment. Sequel, broadly speaking, remain above nineteen hundred dollars. Uh, that is not the expectation when you're having other assets yield higher. So that's been fantastic for gold price. We love this gold price environment. Three four years ago, we would have been set saying, yeah, give us nineteen hundred. But our cost environment was very different then in terms of input costs. The single largest one across the entire mining sector and across most sectors right now is labor. Labor is very, very sticky. Labor costs have increased dramatically. Consumables too, we're starting to see some relief in things like diesel. But the point being, while the gold price has gone up, the costs have gone up at a higher clip. So your margin has actually shrunk. Now, Corora is in a very enviable position, and this isn't you know, by luck, this is by design. Uh, where we have, as you said, multiple levers that we can pull. So if we were in an environment right now where margins were, uh, let's say, you know, $1,000 an ounce, uh, you know, $1,200 an ounce, and, and we're printing cash left, right, and center, we would be funneling a lot more money into Higginsville exploration than we are today. Now, why are we putting more of our $20 million budget that we have while preserving and increasing cash while deploying into a capital program? We put $20 bucks into the ground. Why are we putting almost all of that, and why have we been putting almost all of that into beta hunt? The simple truth is ROI. For every dollar that we put into beta hunt from our existing infrastructure at beta hunt, we are able to turn that drill meter into an ounce, into a resource ounce, and potentially into a production ounce in under two years. If we were to discover something massive, at Higginsville. And let's just take a, a moment here to talk about Higginsville because Higginsville has been extremely important over the last several years for us to ramp up our production, right? You now, I talked about the beginning of this call us being just over 80,000 ounces halfway through the year. That's more than we produced three, four years ago, right? So it, the company has grown massively. Higginsville has played a key part of that, uh, that growth. Now, where we are in Higginsville today is reminding these smaller open pits and undergrounds. However, if we were to discover something big at Higginsville, and given the 1,800 square kilometers we have there on that Saluka shear, I said this on your on your platform be, uh, before, it is probably the most prospective exploration uh, ground in all of Western Australia, and I don't see that lately. If we were to discover something big there, it would take several years, tens of millions of dollars of drilling to bring on, let's say, a new, very large open pit multi-million ounce deposit. Right, that couldn't be mined and turned into cash, free cash flow and cash immediately. So, in this higher cost environment where you have fewer dollars coming out the back end, you have to allocate them into what can make me more cash in the shortest amount of time possible. That's where Beta Hunt is swallowing up these dollars, and that's before we even talk about the nickel side of things, which will be starting to ramp up next year when the ventilation works as well. So that's that's how we pivoted internally. Uh, we've decided to put more dollars into beta hunt. It's it's an asset that we're growing. It generates cash. Higginsville, once we're done this capital program at beta hunt, more of that cash will go back into Higginsville for some of that longer term uh, large exploration. Right. So, so so to be clear, when you say um, short short term, well, potential of short term, uh, what's sorry, you're saying it's the the quickest means to uh, generating cash. You're not saying to the exclusion, to the detriment of the future. We're just saying right now, because the where the infrastructure is located, it makes more sense. You're going to be more economic, more margin by focusing on on, on beta hunts, right? Yep. Yeah. That's okay. For sure. Okay. Super. 
Right. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is basic, basically it's something to, like it's the market. The market conditions at the moment are tough. Either I've, I've interviewed a three billion dollar uh, gold company. They are struggling. Their, their margins are are. Let, let's let's cut. They're they're a little bit stuck, a little bit difficult difficulty because they haven't actually brought new um, assets into production quickly enough. They're two three years out from being able to do so. Um, whilst exhausting their current assets, it's it's problematic, right? So that planning is really really important, and the, and the phasing of all of the assets is really really important. That's why I was sort of laboring the point somewhat. Um, perhaps um, it, you know, if you got, do you mind sort of lay, laying out the timing across the board as you currently see? It? I know you've given guidance, but perhaps you're sort of changing as data comes through. Are you changing your your mind on any of that? Are you seeing new opportunities? Are you looking at perhaps reallocating capital um, because of that? Yeah, and that's a, it's a good question uh, and, and a good point made and kind of comes back to what we talked about in terms of not facing this short-termism, but actually, you know, you've got to plan, you got to think in, in, in multiple year horizons when you work in the mining sector because it takes a long time to do the correct due diligence, analyze projects, permit and get ready to bring new projects online. And that all has to stack into your, your mining plan in order to make sure that you're continuing to generate cash and cash generated from one asset goes into the other to enhance your returns. Now, when it comes to what you just described, I mean, again, if we just keep coming back to beta hunt, uh, since we've uh, started drilling a beta hunt, you know, the entire resource used to be hosted on Western flanks and A-zone alone. Since we've come into the, into, you know, into the asset and into the company, we've added seven new shear zones. Right, seven new shear zones. Probably the most recognizable uh, of late to uh, to investors would have been Larkin that was added last year. Uh, you know, we added several hundred thousand ounces there, which is phenomenal. So we keep adding these uh, these shear zones at Beta Hunt. And why do we keep talking about this? Again, the infrastructure is in place to mine these things as quickly as we can bring them online. So our uh, planning in terms of mine planning is continuing to add these shear zones as significant ounces of Beta Hunt and tucking those into the mine plan. And then what happens is you get a little bit of shifting. So as we discover areas of higher grade, and we're bringing those earlier into the mine plan, if it makes sense from a, from a present value perspective. So some of the optimization is happening there. And then of course, I keep coming back to the nickel that's gonna start playing a more important parts. When it comes to Higginsville, we've gone through probably about six or seven different deposits since we first started ramping up that up uh, post the acquisition. We have, you know, we had 32 brownfield targets when we came to the asset. We have several more deposits to work through as well. But we don't have that next big one at Higginsville, but that's going to have to wait until we can allocate more dollars into that drilling uh, post this capital program. So really, it is Beta Hunt is just stealing the show. It's 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 you know it's, it's basically turning into a free cash flow machine and something that we can really anchor as our foundational asset for, for the long term future. Right. So, the, the, so there's that there's the planning on the gold development front, um, sort of production front, and you're heading you're heading you're heading quarter after quarter. So all kind of good stuff in the gold. You've mentioned obviously uh, nickel. Lithium, you got a few other byproducts um, going on there. Which, I mean, again, how do you in a market like this work out the timing of how you monetize those things? Because um, obviously, lithium's going on a tear. You know, nickel market is strong. You're finding more nickel than perhaps you realize you had. It, it's it's kind of interesting times, but at the same time, you don't want to take the, you don't want to get distracted. But maybe there's an opportunity at the right time. So, how are you doing those? Um, yeah, so no, another good question. So the I, I'd say one is more physically limited, and the second one is 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 more of a market timing that we've executed on. So when it comes to the nickel side of things, as with everything underground at Beta Hunt in terms of increased activity, 
just those three ventilation raises that have to go in, right? We finished the first one, the first quarter, second one's well underway, third one will be done by the end of the year. But that increased ventilation capacity up goes mold production next year, as well as increased nickel activity. So trust me, we are chomping at the bit, um, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, to bring up that nickel production as fast as we can, but it's limited by that ventilation. So once that's in next year, you know, we'll be allocating more drill dollars towards that. We'll be starting to get more uh, mining activity in those areas as well. So that's that's the nickel side of things. On the lithium side of things, you know, as we saw the hard rock lithium environment in, in Western Australia specifically, but Australia in general, you know, basically just you know, fly through through the roof. Uh, we realized that there's very high likelihood that we had lithium on our property. As I talked about in you know in, in previous uh, discussions with you, we ran a study. We we figured out what we had. We're rolling into this Cali Metals vehicle, and we realized that look. As a management team focused on gold and now nickel, um, and nickel due to the fact that it's next to gold in our mind, uh, it, it, the, we realized that we wouldn't be able to basically allocate management time and resources to that lithium as well. So we do not, to your point, want to be distracted. So we decided to create that separate vehicle for that to be accelerated for shareholders as a direct flow back to core shareholders via the 45% ownership there and ensure that that thing has moved forward in what is certainly a very hot market today. So that one's more of a market timing thing. Uh, that we uh, that we bring forward, and the nickel side of things is more physically limited by. Right. Okay. So the whole package, please. The whole package, macro market. We've kind of described great, great gold price environment. Um, great for producers. I'm interested to see what they're doing. You've explained, you know, carefully what 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 you're what you're doing here. But how do you think you're doing relative to your peers? I mean, in terms of that relative performance. Um, indicators out there. Do you think that you've done okay? Are you looking at others and saying, well, actually, perhaps you've got something to still, something to learn, something to deliver? Yeah. So, I mean, it's all based on, on time horizons that you that you look at. Um, we certainly had moments where we dramatically uh, outpaced uh, the peers uh, to, uh, what's the best way of putting this, uh, almost violently successful effect. And then we've had other other points when uh, obviously the share prices moved down quite uh, quite frequently. That is, by the by the way, a product of of incredible trading liquidity in a name uh, for a company of this size uh, due to the legacy of what's happened uh, previously at RNC. So uh, it certainly is a good trading stock and and checks all liquidity requirements for larger indexes, which is a good thing, such as the GDX, um, uh, which actually could be relisted on at some point in time. But if we if we look at today, right? So about screwing it up here as I do every day in terms of what's happening in the market. Over the course of the last month uh, to three months, uh, so if you look at one month or you look at a quarter, uh, we're mildly outperforming the GDXJ, which is our closest benchmark. Right? We can all pick names that were dramatically outperforming, and we can pick one or two names up at the top that were underperforming. But if we use that broad basket that fund managers compare us to, and that's what they benchmark their performance to, uh, we're outperforming you know, somewhere to the tune of, of 3 to, to 10% of the, of the course of that period of time. If we look at year-to-date versus this GDX date, we're a GDXJ. Yeah, we're underperforming by about seven or eight percent right now. Now, of course, that can flip in a day or two, but I'm just giving you numbers as I was reading them off this uh, the screen this morning. Now, if you look at the twelve month, uh, you know, performance, we're performing by about thirty nine or forty percent. Um, and if you start to think about investing, not betting, investing, not trading, right? Uh, you start to think about longer term performance. Where do I want to have four parts of my portfolio? If I want exposure to gold miners, you start to thinking and you think in that multi-year horizons. Well, and when am I going to make two, three, four, five times my money with a large portion of my portfolio? 
these are the kind of names that you want to put your money into. There's always going to be the hot stocks that go up on a stick in, in three weeks. And guess what? Inevitably, they go back down again all, all, more, than, more than not, right? So to create a true investment vehicle, which is what we've been doing over the last uh, four years, which is directly reflected in the shareholder register that you see today. You know, you have some of the top names in the entire sector that have very large positions in us. Um, you know, that those are the kind of moves that we like to make and that's the kind of vehicle that we want to be.